0: If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to First John chapter three. First John chapter three. Uh, we're probably going to finish out uh, chapter three um, uh, tonight, um, uh, and, and we're going to be talking about about true love. True love is, and we'll we'll name some things tonight in our in our lesson in our in our Bible study tonight. So look with me, if you will, in First John chapter three, uh, verse number sixteen. We'll start with number sixteen. We'll read down uh, through verse twenty-three. <clears throat> the Bible says, by this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. We also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has, his, uh, has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And By this we know that we are, his, that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. Whatever we ask and receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. This is the commandment that we should believe on his name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us a commandment, as he gave us uh, this commandment. So we're going to talk about love tonight, what true love is. Now, I know this is, uh, this is not February, this is not February the 14th, this is not Valentine's Day or anything like that, but this, this is what this, basically this chapter is talking about. And when you, when you think about love, love, love comes in, in various forms. You, you know, when you start listening or, or, or talking about love, you can talk about the, the romantic kind of love or the parental kind of love or the brotherly kind of love, but, but according to the Scripture, the greatest, the greatest of every one of these is the godly love that He gives us, that He shows us. One of the reasons for that is, as you understand, and I know you do, is that even before you were saved, God loved you. Even when you were in your sin, God loved you. Even when you was in your junk, when you was in your stuff, God still showed love for you. Matter of fact, the Scripture tells us there's no greater love than that. John 3.16 says, "...for God so loved the world," that he what? He gave. That he gave his only begotten Son. That's, That's God's love in action. It's one thing the Scripture says do more than just word or, 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 or just saying that you're going to do something. Do it by deed. Do it by action. Show, show love that way. It's one thing for me to say, hey, Marilyn, I love you, and, and if Marilyn is in need of food or whatever, I love you, go and be, and be filled in Jesus' name. What value is that? There is no value, right? She may say, well, I know Pastor says he loves you, but he won't feed me. Go away and be filled. And and in other words, the Lord is telling us, if I'm going to say I love you, then feed the person. Give them. If I have that, if if I know there's a need there, then my obligation to show the love that Jesus wants us to show is to fill that need, right? And so we know that's the kind of love that God is talking about in in action that he's talking about. This this is the kind of love that the world needs to know about. They need to see that in action. It's, It's the very love that caused Jesus to leave heaven for earth and to become our savior. That's the very kind of love he loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son. So then we want to look at three things here. We want to, we want to look at what true love is by understanding the death of the Lord, also by sharing material possessions with one another and by resting in God's presence. By understanding Jesus' death, by sharing material possessions, and also by resting in, in, in the Lord's presence. When you look at verse number 16, The Bible said, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And the Word tells us that we ought to lay down our lives for the brother. We understand through the Lord's death. Why did he come? He came to die. Why did he come to die? So that you and I might have life and that we might have it more abundantly, right? He came to die. He lived among us. He done miracles among us. He fed the thousands among us. He talked to children among us. We saw or the, the people back then in biblical days, they saw him. They was able to touch him. They was able to be at his meetings and all of those kind of things like that. But after three and a half years, he, he, he was arrested. He was crucified. He went to the tomb, and, on, and he, he got up from the tomb. He was resurrected. He ascended to the Father. <coughs> in other words, he laid down his life so that we could have life. John 15 and 12 says, My command is this. He said, Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that a a man lay down his life for his friends. That a man lay down his life for his friends. so at the core of of almost every person is really a belonging or or, or a wanting to know that somebody loves them. Go, go anywhere you want to find. You go to the, some of the orphanages today. You can go to some of these places and hospitals that young people is in today where they have no mamas, they have no daddies. All they're looking for is for somebody to love them. It, the most astonishing stories i've ever read is about young children in romania when they would put those babies in baby beds in romania and nobody would ever come in and talk to those kids nobody would ever come in and touch those kids and those kids would get become one and two and three and four and 5 years old and if, and they and they went in there and they all looked deformed they looked they was not their age as far as what they're supposed to look like it looked they looked deformed they looked like undernourished all of these things and they just simply wanted somebody to come in and hold them and to touch them. They've done a study on all of this. Can you imagine what it would be like if nobody ever touched you or nobody ever said anything to you or nobody ever put their arm around you? Now, we don't think about that a lot because we get that. You understand what I'm saying? We get that at times. But young people today that has no, no parents, they have no family and all these kind of things, and they're, and they're placed in foster house to foster house and, and here and there and, and, and shipped back and forth or whatever the case, especially overseas, they have a deficiency, and you can just look at them and tell that they have that deficiency. And it all stems from somebody just loving them and just touching them. And the Lord says, love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that he laid down his life for his friends. So at the core, every person is longing to know that they're loved or that God loves them. God puts a desire in his people. God truly wants people to know that he loves them. He truly wants people to know and believe that he loves them. Aren't you thankful tonight? And I know we say this often, and we sometimes we take it for granted, but aren't we thankful tonight that we know that God loves us? I am. I'm thankful to know that God loves me. In the midst of my stuff, he loves me. In the midst of my wrongdoings, he still loves me. In the midst of my mess-ups, he still loves me. There, there is a Father in heaven that still abides. He still loves me. But there's an enemy also that does not want you to understand God's unconditional love for you. There's an enemy out there. His name is Satan. His name is the old Lucifer. His name is the devil, whatever term you want to put on that. He's God's adversary, God's number one enemy. He's, he's our number one enemy. He does not love you. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that he wants to rob from you. He wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you. That's his job. He operates behind the scenes in the spiritual realm if you will he makes his ability to to sometimes affect our thought life and our thought pattern and and how we do and how we say things and all of these things to manipulate uh, things in our life and so if we're going to understand the love of christ we have to understand the the death of the lord jesus christ that love that has inspired so many giants in the past, so many giant Christian giants I'm talking about that as that, that a songwriters and, and sermon writers to, to put their pen and write things. Matter of fact, Songs like this, oh, oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, vast, unmeasured, boundless, free, rolling as a mighty ocean in the fullness over me. Underneath me, all around me, is the current of thy love, leaning onward, leading homeward to my glorious rest above. And you can have, there's thousands of these old songs like this, or old hymns, if you will. Now, I don't know about you, I love hymns. I love to sing hymns. And you say, well, oh, Pastor, that's, that's old stuff. I, I get it, but they have meaning. They have some depth. Don't get me wrong. I love, I love the new songs. I love the praise and, and worship songs. I get all of that. But when I'm by myself most of the time, I'll, I'll find myself yet, humming an old hymn, the old rugged cross. I'll fly away. You know, old, old hymns that, we, that I grew up with in, in South Mississippi, those are the ones that have stood to me the test of time. Praise and worship songs are great, but if you notice, they'll come and they'll go. But the hymns, they never have left. They've always stayed around. Matter of fact, there's a, another song called Jesus, Lover of My Soul. Jesus Loves Me. There's, there's one called Love is the Theme. But the point is simply this, that men and women, we keep trying to describe his love through writings and through songs to plunge into the depths of his love because really when you think about the love of Christ, it's, it's unfathomable how he loves us. You cannot describe like you want to describe the love of God. Matter of fact, Charles Wesley asked the question that baffles many folks... When he asked this he said amazing love how can it be thou my god shouldest die for me how 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 in the world god you didn't even know me you didn't even know me but yet you died for me how jesus you didn't you weren't even around when i was around but yet you looked down through time and you saw me and my stuff and you died for me that's that's the love that we're talking about Uh, sometimes we we don't understand all of those things whether it's through study whether it's through prayer, whether it's through meditation, all of those kind of things, and it's wonderful, and when you do that, all those things help. It helps you a little bit understand, but, but it's still hard to really describe about the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you look at it from a spiritual comprehension, it, it, gives, us, it gives us a birth of praise. When you think about the love of God, you simply want to praise God. When you think about the love of God, you simply want to adore him. You you want to magnify him. You want to say, thank you, God, for everything that you mean to me. Thank you, God, for loving me. Thank you, God, for loving my family. Thank you, God, for bringing me up from where I, I come from. Thank you, God, for saving my soul. Thank you, God, for filling me with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, that every day you can give me safety everywhere I go. We want to thank God for his love because you know, as well as I know, any given day, there's all kinds of things that can happen to us, right? I mean, just yesterday, I had to go to Little Rock for a meeting, and twice yesterday, 18-wheel trucks pulled out in front of me. I mean, just pulled out in front of me. And if I had been watching, Brother Paul, I would have hit him. but I had to slam on brakes. Now, sometimes I think the the enemy just tempts me with that kind of stuff, because that's my weakness right there inside a car when somebody pulls out in front of me. You know, you just want to say all kinds of things, you want to roll this fist at him, you want to throw your hands up like this. Matter of fact, yesterday I did do that. I didn't say nothing, I just thought my hand up. But any given day, the enemy, the enemy, the enemy wants to take you out on any given on any given day. And he'll use whatever method he can in order to take us out. But simply because of the love of God. He sustains us. Let me ask you a question. How many of you that you know that you know that you know, if it had not been for God, you'd have have been dead already? I would have. I can tell you three or four instances right now in my life. It would have been dead if it wasn't for God. But God sustained us simply because of his love. He sustains us simply because of his love. And so he teaches us. What does he teach us? He teaches us through trials at times. He teaches us through grief at times. He teaches us through loneliness at times. He teaches us through rejection at times. Because you know what? When, I, when I'm in those situations, those trials of, of grief and loneliness and rejection, that's when I need God the most. And he always shows up. He always comes through with his love. And I could be having one of those days. You know what I'm talking about, just one of those days. And be thinking about one of those days. And be thinking about the things that that, that we're going through or things that you're having to deal with. And, and, and every, almost it seems like every time God will give me a song or he'll give me a word or he'll put somebody in my path that'll speak truth in my life and he'll say, God, I know, thank you for that. I thank you, I appreciate that. I mean, it could be at Walmart, it could be at the grocery store, it could be anywhere. It could be at the gas station and God will just send somebody and say something that'll lift, lift us up. Why? Because of his love for you. That's how much he loves us. That's how much he loves us. Um, When you you understand Paul, he wrote in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18 and 19, Paul said this, he said, He said, I want you to be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of his love. Think about about the, the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of his love. In Hebrews 2 and 9, the Bible says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor, because he suffered death, so by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Why did he do that? For you, for me. 1 Peter 2 and 24, the Bible says he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Why did he do that? Why did he go through that? Because of his love for you. Simply because of his love for you. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin. For us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Why? Why did he lower himself to do that? He'd done that simply because of his love for you and I. Amen. Because he loved us. And so the death of the Lord shows us really what true love is. It shows us, the death shows us the greatest love this world has ever known. I've not known of anybody else, Brother Paul, that laid down their life for me other than Jesus. He's the only one that I know about that, is, that, was, that was willing to lay down. Now, if I was asking you a question, hey, hey, would you lay your life down for pastor? Thank you, Sister Marilyn, for being honest. Because I don't know that I could for you either. You understand? Just being honest with each other. But the Lord laid his life down for us. Now, could I lay my life down for my grandkids or my family? Probably more so than I could you. You know what I mean? Because there's a different kind of love there. You know, you, you, you feel differently. There's a, there's a part of you, in other words. But God loved us so much that he sent his son. Verse 17 also says this. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but let us love with actions and in truth. You know, you've heard me say this many, many times. I, you, we have people come to the church all the time. Some people come to the church and they're just, they're just trying to scam the system. You know, I know that. And sometimes I'll help them, sometimes I won't help them. But there are others that come, Brother Adam, they are in genuinely, they're in a need. They have nowhere else to go. They're in a rut, so to speak. They can't get out. It's, it, the rut is so deep, they can't get, on, get out on, on either side. And so in those moments, whether they're asking for food or whether they're asking for utilities to be paid or, or, or gas or whatever, I have, to, I have to try to determine where you're coming from. If there, is this a reality or this, this is not a reality? A lot of times, I've been doing this so long now, Toby, you know what I'm talking about. You, you see a lot of folks like that at, at the store. I, I know them. I mean, we're on first-name basis. Matter of fact, they come in a lot of times, hey, Brother Rigney, how you doing? Can you pay this bill? <laughs> and so they get they get used to that, all right. And so we have to we have to talk to them. And, and there's a lot of them that I help, and some of them I don't help. There's some that comes in, Sister Parker, that I that that what I call regulars. They're monthly regulars, but I know them, and they're in that they're in that they just cannot get out. I don't know that they know how to get out. Matter of fact, I told one lady here a few months ago. I said. Next time you come, bring me your checkbook and bring me your bills. Give them to me. Well, ain't, she ain't done it yet. Bring me your checkbook. I want to see what's coming in and I want to see what's going out. I want to see if I can help you some way or another. But we share material possessions, we give of what God has blessed us with. We, we give of what God has given to us. Uh, let, me, let me give you just a few funny things here, but these are, actual, these are actual statements and actual letters or notes that people has wrote into the welfare uh, department. This is, this is some of them uh, uh, as far as their applications wanting to receive payments. The, one of them said this, I'm writing the welfare department to say that my baby was born two years old. When do I get my money? The other one said, Mrs. Jones had not, any, had not any clothes for two years and has been visited regularly by the clergy. <laughs> give, give some. Well, think about that one just a little. Yeah. I, can, I cannot get sick pay. I have sick children. Can you tell me why? Can't get sick pay. Six children. I'm glad to report that my husband who is missing is dead. So I can get paid now. This is my eighth child. What are you going to do about it? I am very much annoyed to find out that you have, you have branded my son illiterate. This is a dirty lie, and I was married a week before he was born. Unless I get my husband's money pretty soon, I will be forced to lead an immortal life. Okay, I have changed my little boy to a girl. Will this make any difference at all? You say, this, Pastor, that is, I said, I'm telling you, these are actual True statement. So we know we have people trying to get something for nothing all the time, but we still have people that is, in, that is legitimately, that's in that rut that they need the help of the church. And we do our best to help. We do our best to try to minister uh, uh, unto these. And I know these, these are all silly, silly things here, uh, but we have, we have people in our community that is truly in need. They are. Do you understand in our community in Blava, we have people that goes to bed hungry every night? Now, it's hard for us to understand that because we don't, but we have people in our, in our, in our community that goes to bed hungry every night. We have young people that goes to bed hungry every night. Does not the school at, at Times Sister Janice provide backpacks and food to send home every weekend and on the summer to children? They do it every every year, every week. Because they know that if they don't get that, they won't have nothing to eat all weekend, Right? And so we deal with that. Many, many times I've been, especially around Christmas time, when, I take, when we take presents or food to homes, I get, you get to see firsthand, right, some of these homes, and you, and you wonder, how, how do they exist? How do they live? You've heard me tell the story about when me and Becky took the food and the, and the toys into this, this mother's house, a single mama with two kids, and, and I had the box of toys, and I thought I was going to be the hero that day. And I walked in, the little boy looked at me and said, didn't you bring any food? He wasn't interested in the toys. He was hungry. And Becky walks in with the, with the food, and she was the hero that day. Well, that causes my, my thought process then to change a little bit, to be a little bit more compassionate on people and listen to their, simply listen to their need. I get it. I know there's people that's out there that's just doing nothing but robbing the system. I get that. But I'm going to tell you, we've got folks that is, that, is, that is in need and they're hungry, and, and we as a church... We have got to do our best to help and do what we can to do that. We, we've, all, we've all been there. We've all seen them. But there, there's folks that need, that need help. Listen to this little story. There's a pastor by the name of Ellis Alfonso who, who works and lives um, uh, and is, that is considered the, the lowest level of society in Guyana. He works overseas in Guyana as a missionary. They said this guy is the most gentle, loving, and true man of God you'll ever want to meet. His wife, Sharon who was six months pregnant with their sixth child. Had, they, they were worried about her because at, at age at 35 years old, it was a difficult life for this, for this mother with, with uh, going on six children in this particular region that she lived. But one of her jobs was to haul water and care for the five children and other people in that little community, that little village that she was in. She was also fulfilling the duties of a pastor's wife. She was also the worship leader of that little congregation. And they begged this, the true story, they begged this lady to, to slow down and be careful, but she felt honored that a group had come from the United States to serve them, and she wanted to make sure that she was a part of that work that they had come to do to help them in that missionary field. At the close of that two-week stay, this group said that we learned that that Pastor Ellis and Sharon, two of their children, as well as many others in the village, had contracted malaria. That those those two weeks, they said the normal treatment for this for the malaria in that in that area is to poison the patient with with strychnine and break the body down to the point that the blood was so weak that it would not support the malaria that was in their body. Can you can you imagine? And hopefully the malaria uh, died before the patient died. You talking about faith? We're going to talk about faith Sunday, but I'm, I, that's faith right there. I, that's some faith. Nobody was sure what to do with this pregnant lady. But after our return, he said, they said we were told that, that, uh, that they had treated her, and she seemed to be doing much better. Sharon delivered a healthy baby boy, Jonathan, seven pounds, 11 ounces, and they said since conditions were so different in that area than they were, that they were where they were, new mothers stay in bed and rest to regain their strength for a couple of days after the birthing experience. But the next day, Sharon sent word to her sister asking her sister to bring some rice, bring some water. When her sister came to deliver that nourishment, the rice and the water, she found Sharon dead with the baby quietly laying beside this mother. Now, you read stories like that, and that, that sort of grabs your heart a little bit. It sort of pulls the, 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 the love strings of, of your heart. The point is this. When you and I, when we're faced with honest needs, how then can we turn them away when we know things like this is going on all, even, even today and every, every, everywhere, especially on a mission field? We have people that are suffering today all over the world, simply by doing good things to bless people, that's th- that's what I'm talking about. When we share the evidence of God's love in our hearts, I was so blessed. I don't know if, if uh, I don't know if you saw this, Dad, but my cousin Saxton, who pastors in Winona, Saxton has been here preaching. He was he was in his little city and he was doing some work, some. Uh, uh, some evangelistic work and all of that. And, and he was in the prison, one of the prisons down there. And he talked to a guy that was from his, been in prison for 35, I think, t- I think 20 years. I think I'm, I, I may have that wrong. But anyway, he got to meet this guy, and he was from Saxton's area. And so Saxton invited him to come to church. And This was a black man. And the black man said, there's never been a white man ever invite me to their church. And this is what Saxton, Saxton told him. This is a South Mississippi boy. He said, well, there's a new white preacher in town, and things is fixing to change. <laughs> And I was so proud of that. That was so awesome. And I was so glad that he was able to do that because he, he, what he wanted to do is make a change and get this guy to understand, I want you to know that I love you. God loves you and I love you too. And if we can help you, if we can set you up, if we can feed you, if we can do whatever, whatever we have to do, then we want to let you know some way or somehow of the love of God. And that's what we're talking about as far as sharing in the evidence and sharing the possessions, sharing those material things that we have to bless other people. Let me ask you a question. How many of you would be honest with me and say with me that I've got more things in my house than I'll ever use right now? We all do, really we do. We've got things in our house that we've never, we've, we've never have messed with, right? Some of us has got two car garages and we have, we've never kept a car in there because we've got boxes in there. That's what we use it for, for storage. And we've not been in them for years. We have to go and look in the box. We've got more, we do. And so when we, when we have people, those legitimate people, and I'm not saying that you don't do that. You do do that. You give and you bless people, and I thank you for that. But that's what we're talking about as far as sharing the love of God by sharing those possessions. The last thing is this. As we understand the love of God, we, we can understand what true love is simply by resting in the presence of Almighty God. Now, there is nothing, and I know you know what I'm talking about when I say that there is nothing like that. I, 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 there's no way I can explain that. If you've never... If you've never just been in God's presence and just got lost, if you understand what I mean, in the presence of God, then I don't, you, you need to experience that. <laughs> you, need, you, need to, you need to find that. That's something, Sister Parker, that's so amazing that it's so personal with you and uh, between you and God as well. When you get lost in the presence of God, verse 19 says, "This then is how we know that we belong to the truth, and how we set our hearts at rest in, the, in His presence whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts, and He knows everything." One translations, verse 19, says this: "When we love others, we know that we belong to the truth." We feel at, ease at the, at the, we feel at ease in the presence of God. But even if we don't feel at ease, God is greater than our feelings because He knows everything. I told you Sunday, God was huge. God's big. He's a big, big God. God has the answers to everything, every problem that we might have. And so the question is then, do we feel at ease in His presence? We should. We should feel at ease in His presence. We should feel at ease in the presence of Almighty God. What do we? What do we? What do we? What do we come to church for? What do we? What do we have devotion time for? What do we pray in our in our in our in our private time for? We simply want to be in the presence of Almighty God. In the presence of Almighty God. There was a Sunday school teacher one time that was discussing the Ten Commandments with uh, with a class of five and six year olds. And after she began to explain about the, about the commandments, uh, she got to the commandment about honoring that father and the mother, and, and she said, is there a commandment that teaches us? Uh, she asked the class, is there a commandment that teaches us how to treat our brothers and sisters? And without missing a beat, there's one little boy that raised his hand. He said, yeah, there's one thou shalt not kill. That's, that's the commandment, thou shalt not kill, how we treat our brothers and our sisters. Well, when you, when you look at that, if, if, we, if we have that, that desire in our hearts to kill somebody or, or hurt somebody or to get even with somebody, that we're, then we're probably not feeling at ease in God's presence, aren't we? We're, we're probably agitated. We probably have anxiousness. We probably have all kinds of things that's going on in our, in, our, uh, in our life. Do we feel at ease at all times? Do we feel at ease at home? Do we feel at ease at shopping? Do we feel at ease at Walmart? Do we feel at ease in Kroger? Do we feel at ease at dining in or dining out or while playing or on vacation? Are we at ease in the presence of Almighty God, in the presence of Almighty God? Let me close with this. In England in the early 1800s, there were two sons, and you may have heard this before, that were born to a family last name whose last name was Taylor. The older son set out to make a name for himself by entering parliament he gained public prestige but the younger son chose to give his life to Christ he later recalled well do i remember as, as an unreserved consecration he said i put myself he said i put my life my friends my all up on the altar i felt i was in the presence of god entering into a covenant with the almighty and with that commitment with that commitment hudson taylor turned his face toward China in obscurity. As a result, this guy is known and honored on every continent as, the faithful, as a faithful missionary and the founder of the China Inland Mission, now known as Overseas Missionary Fellowship. Here's the point. The other son that dove into parliament, prestige, public prestige, there is no lasting monument for this guy. When you look at the encyclopedia and you look, to see about Taylor and his brother, you'll find these words. When you look for this one brother of Hudson Taylor, you'll find these words. It was the brother of Hudson Taylor. Didn't he give his name? The brother of Hudson Taylor. He that doeth the will of God, 1 John 2 and 17 says, abideth forever. Hudson Taylor poured his life into ministry, poured his life into becoming a missionary all over the world. Go back and do some research on him. He, he's ministered and he's brought people to Christ. I'm saying that you and I, we can rest in God's presence. We can as God's people. We can rest in the presence of God. There's many people, even many Christian people, that are so involved with the world that we have no time sometimes to spend with God in any shape, any form, whatever the case, and we feel uneasy when we come to the Lord. Several years ago, in this sanctuary, we had a revival, and I'm not going to give names because you may, you may uh, figure out who it is, and I don't want to embarrass people. Uh, we, had a, we had a revival, and there was a particular individual that came that has never been to church before, and they got saved in that revival. They came down to the altar. They gave their heart to the, to the Lord, but they were unsure of how and why, sister, that they felt the way they felt. It was unusual to them. They enjoyed the feeling, but it, it they couldn't explain it. At the end of the service, myself and the evangelist was out in the hallway. or Actually, we were still in the sanctuary. Somebody came and got me and said, Pastor, you need to come out here. This, the, this, this person that got saved is out in the hallway, and they're sort of freaking out a little bit. You need to come and talk to them. So we went out. And we, we took this person to my office, and they was shaking going on. There was all kinds. And that we got to talk to them, and I said, what is, what's the problem? I said, I don't understand why I feel the way I feel. I don't know that it's scaring me. I don't know if I'm uneasy. And we had to explain to them what God had done to them, and it was the Holy Spirit that had got a hold of this person. They got saved, but it was the Holy Spirit that was doing a work in that person. See, when you get somebody new that, that's unsure, that, that, that doesn't have any clue what's going on, it, it may be a little uncomfortable comfortable. It may be a little different of how they're feeling, and we as a church have got to give and explain and, and disciple and evangelize and all of that, and God ministered, gloriously ministered to this person, but it was interesting to me how to watch that person, how they reacted from a natural standpoint from an inward experience. Does that make sense? It was interesting to, to watch that. I'd never seen that before growing up in Pentecostal circles. It was just one of those things that you just got, that I got used to. I, I mean, you know, I, I, I laid under the pew when we was growing up when, when church service is going on, people shouting all that. So that's not new to me. But people that, that, is, that it's new to them, it's different. And they know they like what they feel. They like what God had done. But, Brother brother Earl, they don't really understand everyone of why they're feeling the way they feel. And we explain that. We explain that. We live. And I hope you, I hope you understand. Oh, lex, next minute or two, let me explain this. I hope you understand what I mean. I'm not trying to water down the, the Holy Spirit. That's not what I'm trying to do. We live in a in a different culture today. Do you under, you got you understand that, right? We don't live in the culture that dad grew up in today in churches. It's not there. We don't live in the culture of church that I grew up in or or maybe you grew up anymore. It's different. On a Sunday morning, we have in our congregation people that is accustomed to Pentecostal and that's not accustomed to Pentecost. They come with all kinds of issues and things, all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of uh, denominations that's all mixed up into this place where they come and they like what they see, they like what they do, they like what they feel when they come, but they may not understand everything. A lot of times, I've had people come to you, brother Danny. You don't have to apologize for this, and you, you don't have to explain when the Holy Spirit works. I, I I get all of that, but see, those people, the most time that tells me that they grew up like I grew up. But I, if you've got somebody that that comes and as a friend of yours, or uh, that comes and sets, and, and people start jumping around and start speaking in tongues, and they've never been in a in a church house where that's happened, it freaks them out. And so you've got to take a little time. To explain and to share the gospel. Jesus, you remember remember Scripture, he never forced himself on anybody, right? Never forced himself. I grew up in a time, Brother Paul, I don't know if you did, but I grew up in a time when if I went down to the altar, I I guarantee there's going to be four or five ladies going to get behind me and some folks in front of me and they'd slap me on the back, oh, brother, you got it, you got it. They'd hit me on the head, come on, come on. They'd hit me on the chin like, oh, come on, you got it, you got it. And they'd slap you all over the place. Now, I'm okay with that. I'm used to that, but if you get somebody that's not used to that. If you're a prayer warrior, let me, let, me, let me just teach you a little bit something. If you're a prayer warrior this place, not an altar worker, don't do that to them. You're going to run them out of here. You'll run them out. You'll run them out. And I'm not trying, again, I'm not trying to water down the Spirit of God. God, he'll, he's, 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 he's a gentleman, and he'll come in, but we have to teach. We have to train, we have to disciple, we have to love, all right? You ain't going to beat somebody into salvation. Does that make sense? You're not going to beat them there. You've got to love them. You've got to love them into salvation. And explain to them about the goodness of Almighty God and, and, and talk to them about what, what, what is happening in their life. 1 John 2 and 15 says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Somebody one time said this, that Christians have just enough religion to make them miserable. Isn't that sad? But it's true. Just enough religion to make them miserable. Too much to be happy at at dances and too little to be happy at prayer meeting. (laughs) That's where we are today. So the idea is that we all straddle the fence if we're not careful. We straddle the fence somewhat and when it comes to the world, but, but we've got to make the decision, I'm not going to straddle the fence anymore. I'm going to be with God, or I'm going to be with the world. Matter of fact, Jesus himself said, I'd rather you be lukewarm, right? Either be hot or cold. Don't be lukewarm, because if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. So be hot or be cold. Don't be in the middle there. Don't be in the middle there. So the only way we can know true love is simply by listening to God and simply by walking with him. Now, I hope you understand what I'm, what I'm fixing to say, and then I'm going to let you go. Your relationship with God should be everything to you. It needs to be everything. My relationship with God needs to be more important than my relationship with my wife. My relationship with God needs to be more important to me than it does my son or my daughter or my grandchildren. I love them. I would lay my life down for him, but my relationship with God needs to be number 1. If it's not number 1, if it's not in the in the right order, then there's nothing else that's going to work itself out. Everything will be will be off somewhat. You understand what I'm talking about? It'll be off somewhat. It's almost like, you remember the you remember the toy that I sure I think they still make it that the kids used to play with. It, it was on a little thing and it had it had these round rings, these colorful rings and you started off with the big one that led to the top. It was like a cone. If you went to put those things on and it's not in the proper order you wouldn't get all the rings on the little 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 comb thing right you had to have it in the right order for it to fit and for it to fit right you can't put a square peg in a round hole it's not gonna work well if you're a carpenter you may can you got to work on a little bit but but typically you can't it's got to fit it's got to have the proper order What I'm saying is your relationship with God has to be in the proper order, in order for everything to align itself up and to work. Make sure that you understand what true love is. We throw this word love out all the time. Love this, love that, love that. We throw it out. it's, It's meaningless at times anymore. It doesn't mean anything. But what we're talking about is our true love for the Lord Jesus Christ and our relationship with him. And we understand that through his death, we understand that through, through following his example, by giving unto others. We understand that by just simply listening and being in the presence of Almighty God. In the presence of God, he'll show you his, his love. In the presence of God, he'll take care of you. In the presence of God, he'll give you exactly what you need in order to make each and every day. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for your touch on our life tonight. So thankful, God, for these that have come out tonight to study your word and to listen, oh God, to your word. And I pray that as we leave tonight, God, that you would just uh, overflow in us, oh God, your love. Every day, oh God, make your love known to us. Every day. Sometimes, God, I, I don't even understand how you love me, but you love me anyway. And God, when you love me, let me give that love out to others that's around me everywhere let me, when they see me, when they see us, let them see the love of Jesus Christ. Let them, let them see us. God, we may not even have to say anything, but just our actions, oh God, portrays your love. Help us to lead people to Jesus Christ in this, in this age that we live. We still can lead people to Christ. We still can testify of the goodness of Almighty God. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.